uh, title of my message, Faithfully Effective. Faithfully Effective. And, and that's important, and you're going to understand this in, in just a few minutes, um, and, and I'm going to go back to what we call effective, right? And we're not talking about success. We're not talking about looking a certain way. We're not looking uh, to, to just look like we have it together, look like we know what we're doing. We want to be effective, which is this, producing a decided, a decisive, or desired effect. In other words, I am intentionally moving in a direction that God wants me to be. I'm intentionally moving in a direction that is going to benefit me physically, mentally, and spiritually. I am being effective this year in the world that I live in. With my coworkers, with my family members, with my family. Everywhere I go, I'm going to be effective for God's will in my life. Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, but Martin Luther, the, the, the real old school guy uh, who uh, started the Lutheran uh, denomination, stated this, the loyalty of the soldier is proved in battle. The loyalty of the soldier is proved in battle. Because think about that. It's really easy to say, I'm on the team. It's real easy to say, oh, man, when the bullets fly, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. And um, I remember my buddy Randy, um, not drummer Randy, but my buddy Randy in California, who's a Marine. Um, he, he was the, I lived with him for uh, maybe about a year before we got married. And I remember me and him were talking about his time in Iraq. And... When, he, when we were talking about it, he, he was 18 when he joined, right? A lot of 18-year-olds that join uh, the, the military, that, that, that join in, in those things. And I remember him talking about it, how he so badly wanted to go over and he wanted to fight for his country and he wanted to do great things. And he goes, it was really easy to, want to say that until we got over there and bullets started flying around our heads. And became, oh, wow, this is real. And just the mindset that, that, that changes and, and how, you, how you interact and engage in that. And the loyalty of somebody is found in the middle of the process of battle. You know who is on your side because when it gets really bad, they're still there. You know that they are by your side and they're willing to battle with you even if it doesn't look good. So I want to read to you, and I want to give you, uh, last week I talked about the, in some, some practical tips, effective tips in our life. And I'm going to continue with some of those practical tips, but I want to talk about spiritual warfare today. It's something that can become very left-fieldish in, in church where we can make it um, very out there and very hard to understand, and, and I believe that like I said earlier, that we can sometimes make it far more difficult than what Jesus and what God's design of spiritual warfare really was. And so in Ephesians, the, the book of Ephesians in chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, uh, Paul lays out to the, to the church in Ephesus what it looks like to prepare for spiritual battle. And he says this, a final word. So he's wrapping his, his letter up to the, book in, to the church in Ephesus. He says, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, 
but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, uphold the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and, pers and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. This is the, the, the plan for spiritual warfare in every believer's life. It doesn't change. Like, there's no, this is not a surprise. This is not, like, there's no new way to spiritually battle. If anybody ever says, oh, man, I, I, I'm, I'm into this new thing with Jesus. No, you're not. Like, run. I'll, I'll be very honest with you. Church can get very catchy and cliche and try to do new things. Listen, if it ain't biblical, it ain't for me. Okay. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody looks the same and everybody prays the same and everybody has the same way of doing it, but I'm telling you that if it is not rooted in the foundational truth of Jesus and God's word, then I don't care what pastor says it. I don't care what Christian says it. The reality is, is if we don't find the, the tools in the Bible of how it says to battle spiritually, it's not of Jesus. And, and, and I believe that a lot of times we can get caught up in things that, that emotionally feel good that aren't even connected to God. You can trick your emotions to feel good. You can trick your emotions to feel bad. You can trick your mind to think that this is good when it's not. And what I mean by all that is that you, there's a lot of churches and a lot of pastors that will go, you know, they, focus, they make the focus about you. If, if you, if you want to feel this way, no, I don't, I don't care how you feel. I care about your closeness to Jesus because he will change everything. Because he will change all of that. Job, right? Job was, was very close to God, and yet he felt miserable. So if we, if we want to sit here and say that, oh, you know, the closer we get to Jesus, then, then we're ultimately going to have great lives. No, Job was, it says that he was one of the wisest of his time. He was the richest uh, of his time. He loved God so much, and, and the devil tempted him and challenged him in his faith and took everything away, put boils on his body. He was literally using broken pottery to cut boils off of his body. The only thing that was left was a nagging wife. Some of my words, don't get mad at me, women. Okay? Some of you are like, yeah, okay. Listen, that's what it says. It says literally that the only person that was left were, were his, was his wife who literally said, curse God and die, and friends that blamed him and said he had sin in his life, and that's why God was doing this to him. Me and my wife were just talking about Job and the fact that, that really what Job needed and, and what, the, what the book of Job says is that his, his friends didn't understand how to just sit with him, be in community with him. And say, hey, listen, we're, we're here for you. We're, we're here to battle with you. We're, we're, here, we're here to spiritually lift you up and encourage you. So what does it look like to have spiritual warfare in our lives? I mean, Ephesians 6 really does lay it out. If you ever are curious, just go back and follow Ephesians 6 and you'll, you'll understand. And, and ask yourself, am I, because listen, the very first part of this, 
gives the very details of where a lot of us go wrong. Put on all of God's armor. Put on all. Not just some. Not just the ones that feel good. Not just the ones that you understand. Put on all of God's armor. And then he lays out what that armor looks like, right? He, he, he lays out to, to put on the belt of truth, to put on the, the armor of righteousness, to put on the shoes of peace, to put on the, uh, the helmet of salvation and the shield of faith. And says, you've got one weapon. You don't have many weapons. You have one weapon. It's, it's God's word. And then he says, pray. Pray, 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 pray. And where we get a lot of things twisted is, is, is the prayer part because we, we, we can take it so many different directions. But I think if you study God's word, you will understand prayer in a deep way. And the other thing is you've got to do it. You've got to be, I mean, you can't just understand prayer up here. You've got to be effective in your prayer. So I want to give you some, some just practical things. And I would say this, I'm going to give you military mindset today. I was never in the military. I have a high respect uh, for our military and for anybody that serves in the military or has served in the military. I love watching things on the military. Uh, I'm big into a show right now called uh, SEAL Team uh, that, that you know, kind of shows a little bit of the inside of what they go through. Uh, and, and so there's some things that we learn in Ephesians 6 that are so practical to our lives. And, and the first thought is this, is that we have to have an action plan. We have to have an action plan. What, what does it say? It says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against what? The strategies of the devil. The enemy has a game plan for your life. If you, if you think that the enemy doesn't know who you are, oh, he does. And he has a strategy for your life. And he knows it, and, his, and, his, and the demons know it. They know how to attack you, and they know how to get in your head, and they know how to, to, to play at everything in your life to get you to be focused off of God. The, the, listen, the enemy's goal is not to make your life absolutely miserable. The enemy's main goal is to get you away from Jesus. You can still go to church. You, you could, listen, you could still, hey, get in your word. Read them words on them page and not understand any of it. You know what? Go ahead and pray and feel like you're just speaking words. Go ahead and show up on Sunday and just check out while the pastor's preaching. But you're there because you checked the list. If you don't think the enemy cares, listen, what he cares about is effective Christianity. What the enemy cares about is when somebody says, I'm going to stand firm in God's word and I'm going I'm to learn what it means to put on the armor of God. I just found out that John served in, in the army. And, 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 and we've got a few that, that are veterans or active duty. I think of, of Blake, who's active duty National Guard. And, and if he got called up to, to war, and all I was going to send him with was this. Here you go. Go to war. No, no, no armor. No gun. <laughs> No platoon to, to back him up. I'm just going to give him a phone. Go to war. That's what our life looks like every day. Every day, our action plan is, it's okay, because he can't check my stuff. <laughs> now, he could take a selfie, but, but 
Every day, listen, every day, this is what happens. How many, okay, listen, listen, without making y'all feel bad, because I'll raise my hand first. How many of this is the first thing you grab every day? If you don't think the enemy doesn't know what, now listen, this is not the enemy. This is not the devil in a box, okay? <laughs> okay, so, some, some churches are like anti-technology. I think technology is a good thing when it's used well, right? But I'll tell you, see, see like right now, can I, uh, my wife knows my number one pet peeve on my phone is seeing little red dots. So I look at my phone and I've got one, two, three little red dots and I have to put it away because I want to check them. What happens? Like, with, you know, I don't get notifications, bar notifications that drop down and like tell me everything. I've turned most of those off, but I, I still have Facebook on because, you know, with the, with the church messaging system, I need to be able to check messages if somebody sends one on our Facebook. And, and so I see the little red dot and I go, I got to check it. What happens when you get on Facebook and you check your one message? You scroll, you scroll, you scroll, you scroll. And now, you know, right, Facebook now, you know, they're, they're, they own Instagram and, and it's the metaverse and, and all of a sudden you hit the reels and then next thing you know, you're just lost in the metaverse of stupid things. And, and listen, I'm not saying there aren't good things. There are really, like, people do Bible studies on reels. They, they do a lot of good stuff, but let's just be honest. 95% of the time we're on reels or, or, or TikTok or whatever you want to call it, okay? We're just, look at what my dog can do. My wife, I love her to death. We, listen, if you don't know, we've, we've, we've now, we have a, a, a rescue farm. <laughs> I need marriage counseling. Um, and, 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 I, and there's no help for her because like Instagram's algorithm knows this now. They've heard us talk too much. The CIA has been on the other side of the phone and they're like, put more puppies on there. And so now her screen is filled with puppies. She puppies and bulldogs because we got one now and, and, and we, we inherited this seven-year-old bulldog and, and, and his name is Bosch. And so now our, our whole phone, her whole phone is in, in Facebook reels of, of English bulldogs doing cute things. Like put it away. Now it's to the point where she's like, look at, I'm like, no, we're not getting another dog. Stop it. She's like, that's not what I was going to say. I'm pretty sure there was a sentence in there that was going to say that. And I'm just, no. But it's what, it's, it's what we, we get lost in this world. And we create, listen, I remember being um, a, a young teenager when, you know, and I'm going to date myself on, on PlayStation 2 and, and PlayStation 1. And, 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 uh, and we have, you know, the old school Madden where we didn't actually couldn't even make out the guy. It was just more like a block with a ball. <laughs> you know, you guys that played, you know what I mean. It's like, I got the ball, I think. Um, and you could do the, the seasons, and oh, I loved it, because you could put yourself, your name on the back of the jersey, and you could create all of this world. You get lost in it. I could play games on games, and then you learn to trade, and you become the GM, and you, you're creating this fantasy world. And then The Sims came out, right? And, and, and you create worlds and people, and now they, they you, like whole lives that you can live on, and you can talk to people over the, the internet with it. And Why? To get you away from reality. Once again, not bad, but when we use it to check out. When we use anything to check out, when we, when we don't have an action plan, we're playing right into the action plan of the enemy. Because the enemy knows. 
The enemy knows what he is doing. And so he is going to attack you and he is going to have a game plan for each and every one of your life. Look, I've said this before. He can't get at me with, with, with being drunk and being high. I've never been drunk. I've never been high. I'm not going to start at almost 40 years old. Like, you know what I mean? This is not going to happen. So he knows, like, if somebody walked up and was like, hey, hey, you want a blunt? No, I don't. <laughs> this smells nasty. Get your skunk away from me. Some of you are going like, that's a really old school way of saying it, okay? I know. Whatever, okay? Get your dope away from me. Um, but the reality is he's not going to attack me that way. But can he get my mind focused to where I go, I don't want to do anything today. I'm just going to watch another show. Oh, I'm just going to veg out. I want to sleep in. I don't want to do anything. Or, or, you know, just get me so caught up in busyness that I don't focus on what God is wanting to do in my life. Listen, we've got to have an action plan. The Bible says, right, up there, so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategy of the devil. You've got to recognize your enemy and his strategies because what does he say? For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. These things exist. And it's not to scare you. It's not to to freak you out and, and every shadow at night is a demon. No, okay, no. It says the unseen world, the spiritual world. We are fighting against an enemy that we cannot see but is constantly attacking you. Physically, mentally, spiritually. We've got to start creating an action plan to say, what will my life look like when I wake up today so that I live to the best of my ability for the will of God? So you've got to design a personal battle plan. There's something really key in that. Design a personal battle plan. And what I mean by that is that it's not one size fits all. Christianity, it, listen, there are things that every single one of us as Christians need to do. We need to be in our word. We need to pray. We need to have good people in our lives that love Jesus. Worship has to be a part of it. But the percentages and how it looks, man, it all looks differently. Because maybe God speaks to you more through prayer. Maybe God speaks to you more through your word. Maybe God speaks to you more through worship. It's not that you're alleviating one. It's just that maybe there's a focus for you that is more important than what would be important for me and how God speaks to me. People that love worship, man, they can hear things in, in music and in songs that nobody else hears. And God says, man, I, you know, da 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 and they just speak, and God speaks to them. And for other people, it's in that prayer time where they're just talking to God, and they get that thought, and they go, hmm, sounded like me, but that thought couldn't have come from me. That's God. By the way, God in our head sounds like us. If you ever wonder, like, how do I know it's God's voice? Could, would you have come up with that thought? Check it with the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of times where I'm reading God's word and a thought comes up and I'm like, where the heck did that come from? It's Jesus speaking into my life. It's, it's when I'm battling inside. And I'll just give you a, an idea like with, with our marriage. When I'm, when, when, when I'm upset and it, I mean, we don't you know, fist fight and throw down and you know, throw chairs at each other, but a lot of times it's more quiet, right? It's, it's the, I'm just not gonna talk to you right now. And everything like inside of me on a personal level says, I'm just not going to talk to you. <laughs> just not going to do it. And I'll sit there and I'll try to be all godly and read my devotion. And God will say, hey, you idiot. 
you need to apologize. You need to start getting over this. You need to start talking, you know, you need to, because this is what the enemy wants to put a wedge between you and your wife. That thought didn't come from me because in my, in my, in my, in my personal, I'm just like, I don't want to talk to her. My spirit says, hey, checking you so that your marriage doesn't get wrecked and so that you don't have a separation where the enemy can come in. You've got to create a personal battle plan. What will your devotion look like? What will your prayer time look like? What will worship look like for you? What will study? Maybe, you know, I was uh, talking uh, outside with um, Rodney and he was like, he was talking about the right now media. And he said, man, I, you know, it's, it's cool because like I watched a three minute video. Like, yeah, you know, it doesn't have to be 30 minutes. Uh, sometimes it could be three minutes, but it could maybe do a study on something on a three minute video. And you go, I understand that now more than I ever did before. I love the Bible Project. If you've never heard of the Bible Project, the Bible Project is amazing because they can take an eight-minute video and teach you about Leviticus, and you're like, I am now the studier of Leviticus. Eight minutes. You're like, before, you're like, I have no clue what Leviticus is. It's a lot of words and rules. And then you watch this video, and you're like, oh, I can speak Greek. <laughs> Listen, and, and, and I'm being honest. Like, if you ever want to know, like, some of the places where I go to get, like, study in, man, the Bible Project has been one of my biggest key things. And they, they have uh, version uh, devotions. They have, I think it's on Right Now Media. So a lot of these tools that we give you, they're at your fingertips. You don't have to study for hours to learn. Accountability is so key. You could be, in your word, you could be a great prayer person. But if the enemy can say, you don't need anybody, stay away from all these bad sinners, Mr. Randy. They're going to tear you down. They're going to give you bad advice. They're all hypocrites. And what happens is I don't need, you know, how many people have ever heard this? I don't need to go to church, right? I don't, I don't need church to be a Christian. Well, you're 100% wrong. You do need church. Because if you don't need church, then why would Jesus, why would, why would God have the New Testament writers write, don't forsake the coming together? If you didn't need church. Do you need church for salvation? Absolutely not. That's Jesus' job. He gives salvation. He is the forgiver of sins. But you need church to stay strong. You need church. You need accountability. People in your life that are going to come up and check you and say, that's not, that's probably not the best way to go. But can I tell you, nobody's going to just invite themselves into that role. Nobody likes that role. Nobody. I'm sorry. Nobody likes that role. Even leaders were like, eh. But if you ask me, oh, 100%, I, I want to talk about your life. But I'm not just going to invade your life. The enemy will say, you don't need help. Don't look weak. Oh, especially you men. You suckers. Can I tell you, and, and oh God, I'm going to lose every man in this church right now. But I'm going to do it. This idea that as men, we need to be strong in everything. Such a facade. Like, like you don't have emotions and you don't deal with crap. And then when we have a guy's life group, and yeah, I'm going to go there. But you'll go to a bar. Think about that. What is a bar? It's a life group. It's a life group. 
It's a group where you get to go together and you get to go, life sucks, cheers. Okay. Oh, but I don't want to do it in church because oh, it's just boring. So sitting at a bar and drinking alcohol is not boring and talking about how life sucks. Why not get around men that are going to say, hey, you know what? Life sucks this week, but we got your back. You're struggling because you feel like your wife's on your back, and I'm not saying that. I'm not sharing their dirt. I'm just making things up, okay? Just so y'all know. I hope not anyways. But... You know, because here's the thing is John can go his whole life and he's beat down and he's feeling hurt and he's feeling unheard. But who is he going to run to and talk to? Because he says, I just got to be strong. I'm a man. And what happens is, is he just goes and goes and goes until he can't go anymore. And then he explodes. And then we wonder what happened to John. What a sad existence for most men, because that's what we do. And women, you deal with it in a wholly different uh, way. I just don't know because I'm not one. And I try not to dive into the world of women because that's just, listen, I just won't go there. I'll let my wife preach that message. But can I tell you, men, that if we, we were called to be the leaders of your household. Men, you were, you were called to be leaders. Every single last one. The moment you were born as a man, you were born as a leader. And you can run from it, you can hide from it, you can say that it's not you, but you'll be lying to yourself. And really where we find the most fulfillment is when we are walking in God's will, be leading our families and being leaders in the church. Ah, oh, church is so girly, so make it not girly. Show up. Make it more manly by having your say in what church looks like. Make it less girly by, by, and we try, man. Listen, Father's Day, my wife gets no say in how Father's Day runs here. It's Father's Day. We're bringing motorcycles and hot rods and we're, we're cooking, bar, you know, uh, we're whatever. I, shh, don't look at me. I, don't, I can't say barbecue anymore here because I get judged by the floating head in the back. Um, we grill stuff. Listen, this was not even a part of my message, but listen, if we're, not, if we're going to talk about military mindset, we've got to talk to our men. I'm challenging you. Oh, we'll be men in every other area. Oh, let's talk about cars. Oh, let's talk about hunting. Oh, let's talk about military. Oh, let's talk about sports. Let's talk about Jesus. Oh. We can blame a lot of things about our culture and our generation on a lot of things, but can I tell you it's also the biggest thing is the lack of fatherhood in people's lives. Well, I'm not their father. Your fatherhood has nothing to do with just being a father to your kids. We can complain about the next generation, but, or we can help change them, shift them, lead them. We, listen, the church is, it, it, I read this saying that said that if you want to know the health of the church, it's going to come in the singing of the men and the sound of kids. When men are unashamed of their creator and living for him, the church is healthy. So men, do you have a battle plan or do you just hope that your wife prays enough for you? She reads enough for you.
I'll get off my high horse. I'm, I'm part of that group, by the way. So <laughs> when I preach, I'm preaching to myself, y'all. We got to design a personal battle plan. This, the, the next thing, we got to execute daily. It's not good enough to be a, Christ, a good Christian one day a week. We got to execute daily. We got to have our battle plan and we've got to get up every morning and say, I'm going to work the plan. I'm going to work the plan that God has for me. I'm going to get up and I'm going to spend time with him. I'm going to execute my battle plan daily and I'm going to make adjustments as needed so that I can be effective for Jesus, effective for my wife, effective for my husband, effective for our kids, effective at my workplace. I'm going to execute daily because the enemy is executing daily. And I really just, the next one is battle partner. I have spoke a lot about that today and I'm gonna speak specifically about it next week. But I want you to know that you've gotta do life together. Community is so important and we've gotta have battle partners. Our military has a saying, leave no one behind. Battle buddy. Leave no one behind. But in the church, oh man, we'll leave people to die. And we've got we've to start protecting and carrying our people. That's an action plan. Recognize your enemy strategies, design a personal battle plan, execute daily, and do it with people. And I, can, I, can I tell you, if you do those four things, very simple four things, you will find that your life is more fulfilling, more effective, find, has more joy and peace in it, and that you find this purpose in things that, you, that you're doing that maybe you never found before. My, my, my next thought was simply this. It's a question. Are you a cruise ship or a battleship? Not what you want to be on. Because <laughs> I want to be on a cruise ship. But I want to be a battleship. And so many times we go to church and we just sit back and we want somebody else to feed us and we want somebody else to do the work and we want somebody else to be effective in the community. And I'm telling you, churches don't grow and people don't get closer to Jesus when we have that mindset. As Christians, we are a battleship. We are constantly looking to be prepared to live a life of effectiveness. I was talking with Captain Voss, who's the, the patrol uh, commander uh, there at the PD, and he was uh, in the Navy, and he was showing us pictures of his, uh, his ship, the USS Ranger, I think it was. And he showed us a picture of the ship, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's a big ship. It's a, it, he was on one of the actual cruisers, um, the carriers, and then he, he showed us a picture where it was what they would look like when they were getting close to battle. And it's amazing because you look at that ship and you go, man, it's big, it's powerful, there's a lot, a lot of weapons on it, but there is something even greater when you see the whole picture of what a, a whole battleship brigade looks like when they're moving. They've got all the little ships that are super fast, and he goes, he goes, and what you can't see is the submarines. See, see, it's amazing because a cruise ship, it's just trying to get from one good time to the next, right? Like, that's, that's the mindset of a cruise. Get from one good time to the next. A battleship says, we're going to enjoy life. We're going to enjoy being together. But when it's time to battle, we're going to be prepared for it. When life throws something at us, I'm not just a lone ship in the sea just doing my thing. I've got a whole brigade that's ready to run with me when life gets down. I want to be a battleship. How you view your faith journey is determined by what kind of journey you are on and what you're preparing for. My last thought is faithful effectiveness. 
Faithful effectiveness. Faithful effectiveness is simply this, belief in action. Belief in action. I want to read James 2, 14 through 20. It says this, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. Jerk. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing? What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in fear. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? In other translations, would say faith without works is dead. Now, um, Here's the interesting part about the book of James. The book of James was, at first, they, they didn't want to put the book of James in the canonized uh, setup of the Bible because they felt like, particularly, this set of scriptures went against what salvation looked like because salvation is a gift. It says, Romans says, right, believe, believe in your heart and speak with your mouth uh, that Jesus is king and that, that salvation is yours. And so it's like, wait a minute, if salvation is, is, is because what Jesus did on the cross, then why, why is James speaking about deeds and works and all this stuff? And they were really confused about whether or not what that meant and if, they, if it conflicted. But when you really dive into this and what it's saying about effective faith, it means that you could say all whatever you want. You could say whatever you want. But if your actions don't back it, people are going to recognize truth, right? If I walk into the gym today and I go, I'm really fit. People are going to go, fitting what? Fitting this donut in my mouth. Right? I'm getting healthy. I can say that. Say I'm fit? Yeah, that's stretching the lie. The old cliche, you could go in your garage and call yourself a car. It don't mean you're going anywhere. Other than maybe the crazy house sitting in your garage going, no, you're crazy. You're not a car. <laughs> right? And so we come to church and we go, well, if I call myself a Christian, then I must be a Christian. And the Bible says, wait a minute, but, but here's what I'm asking is, does your life back up the verbiage? That's what James is getting at. Because it's no different than all the people that, that get up on there on those stages and they go, oh, thank you for my Grammy about this song about murdering people and doing drugs. I want to give thanks to Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. You're like, get my God's name out your mouth. You may go, oh, why are you picking on hip-hop? I love hip-hop. Okay, you can do the same thing with most country, song, most country artists too. Talking about the, the girl in the, uh, the short shorts on the back of the, tank, uh, the, the truck bed who has no mind but just a really good body. Really, yeah, God, really? That's what he thought about women? No. So it's really easy to say I'm a Christian, but it's, what James is saying is I want your life to line up that way. 
I, I want you that, that when God stirs on your heart, hey, hey, you know, this person is asking for some help. Now, listen, we can't give everybody everything. We'll become them. Okay, so I don't just see homeless people or see people in need and give to everybody. That's, I don't believe that's necessarily the calling. Now, I believe that if God stirs in you to do something, you better do it because he will haunt you with that thought. So when God tells us to, man, I, I have no hesitation to, to provide the need. Why? Because I'm listening to God's will and heart. And, and it's not whether or not I have it or whether I want to. It's whether or not God is asking me to. And my faith is going to be in action. I love that part where it says, you say you have faith for you believe there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this. And they tremble in terror. In the book of Matthew, it says it this way, is that many will say, Lord, Lord, and he, when you get up to heaven and he'll say, I knew you not. Now, I'll tell you right now, that scares me a little bit because I'm like, God, I'm not going to get up there one day and you'll be like, mm, don't know you. But then I realize that it's not fearful. It's, it's encouraging. I want to stay as close to Jesus so that I don't ever have to question that. I want to stay as close to God's will so that I don't ever question that. It doesn't mean perfect. Doesn't mean that you absolutely have it all together. Doesn't mean that you don't have bad days. It means that your active mindset, your active heart, it's to say, I'm chasing after the will of God in my life and I'm willing to listen to the Holy Spirit. I'm willing to put an active game plan together and I'm willing to execute daily and I'm willing to do life together with people so that my life can live it out for the glory of the gospel. Sharice or Hannah, whoever's playing piano, somebody, somebody. Let's start calling names. Deanne, get up there, play. Are we being active in our faith? Faithful effectiveness. The church, big church, capital C church, not our church, but our church is included in that, doesn't grow because people are looking at Christianity and going, I don't see the difference in how anybody else lives. And I'm not saying that entirely as a, as a but, but just an overall census, when you talk to people, why don't you go to church? The number one reason that I've heard from a lot of people in my age bracket is I love God, but the church has hurt me. I love God, but this person did this to me or said this about me. Or you know what? I've been to the church and it's full of hypocrites. I've heard that more than I can even tell you. Oh, where else do you want the hypocrites to go? That's like saying the bar is full of alcoholics. Of course it is. That's where they get the beer or the alcohol or whatever. That's, that's where they go. I mean, but does it say everybody that's at a bar is an alcoholic? No. Every Christian that goes to church is a hypocrite? No, well, maybe some point in their life. But they're there. Let me take you back to last week, what I said. Show up. Show up. Whether, whether, whether you've had a good week, show up. Whether you've had a bad week, show up. Whether, whether you have it all together or not, show up. Because eternity is depending on it. And not just yours. There are people that are looking at your life and, and saying, are they going to actively live out their faith? And, and can I tell you, they're, they're looking and they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting and they're going, oh, maybe, maybe I'll go this, this week. Maybe, maybe I'll go to the life group. I won't go to church yet because that's still scary, but, I, but if, my, if my friend invites me to a life group, we have people that go to my wife's life group that hardly ever show up here. 
We've had people show up to life groups that, that don't ever come here. That's okay. Why? Because active faith is going to encourage people to do life with one another. And maybe eventually one of these days they show up to church and maybe it's the hundredth time of asking, the hundredth time of doing life with somebody at your workplace where you're saying, I'm praying for you, I'm here for you, I'll listen to you. And, and they finally go, oh, maybe they actually mean it. Maybe they're not that Christian. <laughs> maybe I can trust them. Because when our faith is active, and God starts to show up in our life and show out through our life, things start to change. Can't just come to God for a miracle and then not walk it out. Think, think about that. Think about what Jesus did and so many of his miracles that he did. If you read the scriptures, it says this. Jesus walked up and found a lame man laying there next to the, the pool. The guy said, I just, I just want to be healed. And Jesus didn't just walk up to him and go, you're healed, peace out. Typically, the exchange looked like, your faith has healed you. Now get up and go. Could you imagine never using your legs and then somebody coming up to you and saying, stand up? Think, think about that. Put yourself in their shoes. Oh, Jesus did all these miracles, all these great things. But put yourself in the person's shoes that could never walk, has been carried for 40 years to the pool every day, being dropped off, hoping that a miracle will happen. And this crazy man walks up and says, your faith has healed you. Now get up and move from where you're at. You don't think that his brain wasn't going, that's not how this works. If I could just get up and walk, don't you think I would have done that for 40 years? He had choices. He could have sat at the pool after Jesus talked to him and sat there and said, you know what? I just wish somebody could have done this for me. I, I just wish somebody could have picked me up and put me in the pool. So my, mir my miracle's right here and I can't even get to it. And Jesus is like, hey, I've already told you to get up and walk. We sit. We just go, I want to be that Christian. I want to, I want to have faith. And Jesus is saying, step out of the boat, Peter. Your miracle's on, on the other side of the action step. Your purpose is on the other side of the action step. So stop sitting around and waiting for God to do something because he's sitting there saying, step out. Make the move. I'm right here. I'm going to walk with you. You may fall. I'm going to pick you up. But if you just sit there after I tell you that the miracle's already in your hand, that, the, that, the, that, the, that everything's in motion to, to be the person that God called you to be and designed you to be, but you sit there and you keep going back to the same mess, I can't heal you. I can't create the miracle when, when you're only willing to sit at the pool and complain. guy had to stand up. Could you imagine what that felt like the very first time he was ever able to stand up and use his feet? Or could you imagine the blind man when Jesus said, your faith has healed you, and then you, he, he reaches down and he grabs some mud and he spits in his hand and you, everybody's like, ah! Oh, you can't see what he's doing, but you know it ain't good. 
People are like, oh, that's so gross. Like, what are you about to do? And then you feel it on your face and you're like, ah! Could you imagine walking around with mud on your eyes because you were afraid to touch it? But your healing was just on the other side of cleaning the mud off. Your purpose of seeing was just on the other side if you would clean the mud off. So many of us walk around blinded by mud because we're just going, I want to be closer to Jesus. And he's like, it's right there. Just clean it off and step out in faith. I think of Lazarus. Could you imagine being bound in death clothes and Jesus brings you back to life? Lazarus, come forth. He came out looking like a zombie. Straight up. Because what did Jesus say? Somebody take the death clothes off of him. So many of us, we're, we're wanting to be close to Jesus, but we haven't been willing to take the death clothes off of us. And he's like, you've got to put your faith into action. You've got to create a battle plan. You've got to be able to fight this enemy. Go back to Ephesians 6, write it on, on a piece of paper, on a sticky note, wherever you got to write it, put it in the, as a note in your phone so that you can go back to it. And every morning go, I've got a battle plan for the enemy. When my feet hit the ground, the enemy's going to know that I'm awake. And I don't care. Listen, it's not about being life-changing every moment of your life. You may go do the same job tomorrow, but you're going to do it with a different mindset, and you're going to do it with a different purpose, and you're going to interact with people differently because God is doing something in you when you allow him to say, get up and walk with me. There's a saying that I have taken to heart ever since I joined CID at the police department. Our captain preaches this. I hear it three or four times a week. I'm like, man, this is really good for police work, but it's really good for life. He says, I don't care what anybody says, this department will do this, do the right thing, the right way, for the right reason. When we do that, we will do our job well, and nobody will be able to actually complain on us. What if you insert that into your life? The moment you're ready to, to jump on somebody, do the right thing the right way for the right reason. Am I doing this because I'm upset or can I walk away, take a deep breath and handle this differently? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk away and I'm gonna pray, God, give me the words. Sometimes the words are shut up. That's Okay. We think that God's answer has to be yes or no. Sometimes it's maybe, sometimes it's be quiet, sometimes have patience. None of those three are good. We don't like them. I'd rather have a no than a wait. We've got to be willing to listen. I want to be faithfully effective with my life. I want to lead a church that is faithfully effective and that comes with individuals that are faithfully effective. Not perfect, but faithfully effective. Bible says that Jesus took 11 men and turned the whole world upside down. Because they were perfect? Nope. Because they had a battle plan. They had an action plan. They battled together, win, lose, or draw. I think those guys, I, I hope I get to heaven and I go, John, Peter, did you guys ever fight? Like box it out? I bet you they did. Especially John, because he was the, 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 the Savior's pet. It says the one that Jesus loved. 
You want to sock him in his face sometimes. It's not perfect. Why'd they change? Because they were studious? Because they were great teachers of the law? Nope, they were fishers of men. They were tax collectors. It's because they moved forward. It's because they had an action plan and they wouldn't let the enemy get at them. And when they fail, like Peter did a lot, Jesus was there to pick him up and say, okay, let's keep trucking. Don't stop. Don't sit at the pool and complain. Let's move. Will you pray with me? I'm just curious. Nobody's looking around. Maybe this message hits you. And, and your prayer request is that you just, you just need prayer to put this into practice because I can't do this for you. I, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. I cannot live your life. I cannot pray your prayers. I cannot read your devotions. You're saying, ah, man, this message hit, this hit me. I don't want to be that person. I know there's things that I need to lay at the cross and there's things that I need to lay at Jesus' feet and I know there's things that I need to stop telling myself and beat myself up and, and, and maybe you're the person sitting at the pool wanting God to move and he's telling you, get up and walk and you're like, but I've never used them before. He's saying, it doesn't matter, get up and walk. Do you trust me? That's you, if that, if that describes where you're at. Man, I want to take my, my faith to the next level but I'm afraid to move because what if I fail? Who cares? Do it anyways. If that's you, I just, I want to pray for you. Nobody's looking around. I just want to pray for you. If you would raise your hand so I can pray for you. Amen. 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 God sees those hands. And so, Father, I pray for every person who's battling in their, their spirit about their faith. That, man, I want to go to that next level, but I, I, I see myself as a failure. I see myself as the man sitting at the pool complaining. When Jesus came up to him and said, your faith has healed you, get up and walk. He got up and walked. And he didn't, he wasn't perfect. He probably walked like a little baby giraffe, but he walked. So God, I'm asking for faith that may look a little wobbly, but it steps out. God, I'm asking for encouragement when things aren't going right, that you would speak your truth to our people. You would speak hope and joy and love to our people, that it would get them to rise up in their faith and that they would create an action plan. And that they would realize that their enemy isn't flesh and blood. It isn't the person to the left or right. It isn't the person that they dislike at school or at their work or in their family. It isn't that person. It's the enemy that they can't see. So we're going to create an action plan to face our enemy and to live our life according to your will and according to your word and to live for your glory. And so that the enemy gets upset, we are going to be faithfully effective in the world we live in. God, on the days where we're not perfect, where we, where we don't have things together, God, give us grace. Carry us in your love. God, help us to wake up every day and work the plan. Pray for accountability, people. I pray that your word would come alive to us. I love you, Jesus. I thank you for our church. I thank you for our people and that we may go and change the world like the beginning church did. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.